This allows you to have the freedom to sort of uh, empty bucket to decide and help people understand what goes in there. Um, and so they can be a part of a really great worship experience on a weekend and still be a part of your community. They can begin to spend time with your household and other people in the community and not feel like they now have a pastor or a youth worker, somebody who's going to do all the things that go under that label of church uh, for them and, and for their family. And so part of this is just giving you an opportunity to breathe, to give you breaks, allow you to set the pace of what you're creating. And most importantly, make the center of of people's expectation relationships and not whatever is in that bucket that they call church. Welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called A House for Community, where we provide households with personal coaching for how to build a community and turn your home into a hub for community relationships. So if you're interested in learning more about A Thousand Houses or checking out some of our other resources, visit 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. We want to dive into a topic that may seem a little bit counterintuitive, but it's very important. And that is, what do you call what this thing is? If you just have people, let's say, showing up to an open supper or some kind of event that you're putting on, they're going to oftentimes, either before or during the event, ask, what, what is this? What are you a part of? What are you guys building? You know, who's putting this on? Questions like that. And what we found is that the vast majority of people who haven't thought about this topic, about what to name what they're doing, what they reflexively say in that moment is, well, we're trying to do some kind of house church thing. When you use the word church, when people are brand new and are coming to something like a open supper or some kind of uh, very early event where they're just trying to get to know you, get to know what you're doing, there is a couple of things that happen that are really difficult, and it's really worthwhile to think through some of the obstacles that this creates. Now, let's say the person is really happy with the church they're going to. They have a church home. They're very excited about it. They feel like they're getting a lot of life from that. But this is somebody you really feel called to be in a relationship with. And so you're inviting, inviting them to this event because you want to get to know them better. Well, as soon as you use the word church, they're going to immediately feel like they're in the wrong place, or maybe they're not going to come back because they're happy with their church. And the only time you go to another church, or especially try something as radical as a different form of church, is because you're very unhappy with the current church that you're in. And so those people immediately are repulsed in some ways by using that word church. It doesn't help them lean into the relationship, which is a big deal because they may otherwise be really interested in getting to know you, your family, and that larger community. They may be happy with where they go on Sunday morning, but are experiencing no community there. And so there really is no true overlap or tension between the fact that they worship at a place on a weekend and they need to get to know a group of believers they could do life with. But because you use that word church, now all of those sensitivities and concerns come to the surface. That's one kind of uh, challenge it creates. But imagine if the second challenge, the person who's like, whoa, this is a church, 
and they're actually excited. They're like, oh man, we've been looking for a church. We've been trying to find a place and we have thought about maybe wanting to do church in some kind of smaller way. Um, isn't that like the bullseye? Isn't that a huge win? Don't you want to use the word church when it comes to somebody who's actually looking for a church? Well, there are some counterintuitive uh, issues that are created when you put that word out there, especially early on in a relationship with somebody who's looking for a church or even interested in something like a house church. Um, and what I always hear in that moment is that beep, beep of like the, the truck backing up with all the freight and it's about to dump all of that on you and your poor household. And that freight is all of the expectations that that person has around that word church and what it means. And what is that freight? What's involved in that? And this is, this. is we've all been trained, all of us who, who are part of traditional churches have been trained about what is invested in that word. Things like, and this is these are roles, you can just imagine all the roles that are going to be kind of placed on your shoulders potentially by this person looking for a place to, to call their church home. They want you to suddenly become their pastor, maybe also their elder, the teacher, the children's director, the youth worker, the communications person, the treasurer, the event planner, and even the church custodian as they come to your house every single week and use it in a similar way that they would use a church with the similar expectations. And you add to all of those roles that they may be assuming that you are going to take on by using that word church, the fact that you're doing this all on your own and likely aren't being paid at all for it. So this is a really serious problem. And this isn't necessarily coming from the fact that you, you use the word church. This is coming from all that's inside of that bucket for other people. Um, they, you may have been through a process of thinking about church very differently but likely other people have not been on the same journey, at least not at the same level you've been on. Um, and so how do we handle this problem? And how do we think through what to call this thing that we're inviting people into? So there's a simple solution. And uh, whatever you call this thing, this is a, a deep cultural linguistic question um, that may depend on the context that you're in. And so we're going to give a recommendation for what to label this new thing thing that you're doing. Um, this label may need to shift uh, as times change or even by location, but I'll tell you what we generally do in order to avoid uh, the problems that I've described earlier. Um, and so we simply like to try to call it a community. Something you can tell people is that, look, we're looking for places to deepen relationships, people that we can you know, spend more time with, to build friendships, to build connection. We believe that that's part of what we want to be doing as believers. We like to do that with people that are live close to us or that are part of similar activities or whatever kind of group you're trying to lean towards. And so you're inviting people into a, a small, new, burgeoning community. Now, people are going to scratch their head a little bit and think, I don't know what it, I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I get it. It's relational. Um, and, uh, and they'll understand the basic definition of the word, it will elicit a lot more questions. And this is the reason why people oftentimes will reflexively lurch back to church and that language, and then, of course, bring upon themselves the challenges we described earlier. And so it's really important to try to go ahead and, and let people live with the confusion and a little bit of ambiguity about what it means to be a part of a community. Um, and so like we like to call our particular community just whatever the location is and the word community. So we live on Bluegrass Avenue, so we call ours the Bluegrass Community. And lots of other people that we know are kind of labeling it in a similar way. This allows you to have the freedom to sort of uh, empty bucket to decide and help people understand what goes in there. 
Um, and so they can be a part of a really great worship experience on a weekend and still be a part of your community. They can begin to spend time with your household and other people in the community and not feel like they now have a pastor, a youth worker, somebody who's going to do all the things that go under that label of church uh, for them and, and for their family. And so part of this is just giving you an opportunity to breathe, to give you breaks, allow you to set the pace of what you're creating. And most importantly, make the center of of people's expectation relationships and not whatever is in that bucket that they call church. So that's in the early phases when you're beginning to attract people, have conversations. You want to have rhythmic practices that we're going to be talking about as we go on, but we want to call it something that's actually going to resonate with people and give them proper expectations. Um, now, as you begin to continue to live into rhythms, as people begin to really understand what this is, they get comfortable with what the community is all about, and if they begin to think about this as their church, and you may even find yourself a year or two into this with a group of 15 people, uh, seven or eight of which think about this as their church, and seven of eight of which go to a different church and think of this as the, just their community. That's not a bad thing, in my opinion. That's, that's what it looks like when you're designing the center of what you're doing on relationships. But the great thing about everyone who's coming close to these relationships is that the, their expectations are being created by the actual relationships and the activity of that community as opposed to pre-existing expectations that they, they had growing up in a church or having other experiences in church. So this it really allows you that space to breathe during that phase. Now, once things get really mature, things are growing, you're getting ready to multiply, then it is important to sit down with people that have been a part of this journey for some time and have serious conversations about the nature of the church. What, how do we interact with other churches? How do we think about who we are in light of that? Um, what, where, are, where is that line? Where is the bright line? Is it a fuzzy line between what we're doing and what, what others uh, think of as church? Um, that kind of education will become important, and taking people through a course like this will really help them understand exactly how to think about what this expression of the church is all about. Um, and that's oftentimes the way I'll talk about it at that phase. I'll say, guys, what we're experiencing in this community is, of course, an expression of the church. There's lots of expressions of the church. There's household expressions. There's traditional church expressions. There's city church expressions. There's expressions that happen, you know, in much larger, more global ways. Um, and the church is something that has lots of expressions. And in Ephesians 4, it says there's one body. And so that's, it's okay for us to have various expressions. It's not okay for us not to be in relationships. It's not okay for us to neglect all of the commands given to us in the New Testament that are given uh, to a community of people that call themselves a church. Like these are things that we really want to lean into. So I want to sensitize you guys to that. This is not a rule, by the way. We certainly don't want to uh, put on you guys any kind of legalistic, never use the word church, um, always use the word community. But we want to allow you guys to have some breathing space as you begin to enter in these relationships. You want to attract people that want relationships first and are not primarily driven to answer church uh, kinds of questions. Um, we'll talk about in more detail why that's important. But take some time and think about how do you want to approach this conversation? If somebody were to walk up to you at an open supper or at an event that you're doing, or even somebody that's coming into your household and sees and understands your community and says, what, what do you call this? What is this? Is this a church? How will you respond? 
it's good for you and your spouse to have some time to talk about that and have that conversation. Just kind of rehearse the kind of language that you want to use. Language is powerful. It sets into motion people's expectations. And so we want to really think through this strategically. So take some time, have that conversation, uh, really begin to think through that language and those labels, um, and then we will uh, catch back up um, on some more topics. Friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you and your family are sensing any kind of calling or a pool to maybe go down this path in community, we'd love to be a resource to you as you explore this. So if that's you, we want to invite you to join our coaching intensive called A House for Community, where we're going to combine online content and personal coaching for you to provide you with the teaching and the tools and definitely the encouragement that you're going to need to see your home become a house for healthy kingdom relationships. For more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org community coaching. We'll see you guys for the next episode.